In today's ultra-competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business. Hi there, welcome to the Root of All Success podcast with me, the real Jason Duncan. This is a podcast where I interview super successful entrepreneurs about how they grew incredible companies. And I've got this theory that there are five indisputable keys to success that every successful entrepreneur has gone through at some point, whether they knew it or not, to lead them to the success that they've achieved. Now, generally speaking, in this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs who founded their own business without the help of a family business. They didn't use a franchise. They've created a business that generates more than $10 million in annual revenue, and they have an individual personal net worth of greater than $5 million. So generally speaking, that's who I have on the podcast because I want you as listeners to understand how these people got successful, how they went through their the process of becoming successful, and how you too can be successful. We're recording this live in Nashville, Tennessee at The Standard at the Smith House. We're in the Matador Room, so this is on YouTube and on all the audio uh, podcast players as well. So if you're listening by audio, you should really go find this on YouTube so that you can see the room we're in. It's really phenomenal room. We're in the Matador Room at The Standard at the Smith House in Nashville. It's a private club and a restaurant, and this is 18 18,000 square feet of Southern sophistication style. And the proprietor is the great one and only Joshua Sterling Smith. And he's so kind to let us use this location to record. So if you're watching on YouTube, you get to see how cool this little room is. And today, for those of you that are watching, is this is where actually my guests and I are smoking some really nice cigars as we do the podcast today, which is not every guest wants to do. That's fine. But we can do that here because we're at the standard. For those of you watching on YouTube, you see a little smoke wafting in the camera. <laughs> That's what's going on. So today's podcast is brought to you by Results University. Are you ready for success? Results University is a premier online educational platform for entrepreneurs and business leaders. We teach five subject areas of entrepreneurship, leadership, sales, financial literacy, and we even have courses on spirituality and faith. It is designed to deliver world-class education content that takes 18 to 24 months to go through. It's completely self-guided. It's all online for a low monthly tuition. And if you are a listener to the podcast, you get a discount on your tuition. All you got to do is go to the root of all success dot com to find out more or you can go to resultsuniversity.org slash root that's resultsuniversity.org slash root to find out how you can get discount on tuition just for being a listener to the podcast so thank you for being here with us today we are also syndicated on the c-suite radio network so i want to say thanks to the c-suite radio network for allowing our podcast to be on there with so many other amazing podcasts all right now let's get on with the episode for today so my guest texas born and tennessee raised my guest has always had an entrepreneurial spirit he has a desire to change the world he was a straight a student 
from what I could tell, <laughs> based on our stories that he's told me over cigars <laughs> and glasses of bourbon, a straight-A student in college, graduated the top of his class from Tennessee Tech University here in Tennessee. He's a dedicated husband with two beautiful little girls. He owns and operates many businesses that range from real estate to engineering, even technology. These businesses make Derek a very happy man. They bring in over $40 million annually in revenue. He is on a track five-year plan to get to half a billion in revenue. And if anybody can do it, I know Derek well, and I know he'll be able to do that. So I want to welcome Derek Godwin to the show. So Derek, thank you for being here today, man. Jason, thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, excited to be here. (laughs) Well, so here's the thing. In my businesses, I've worked with a lot of engineers over the year. (laughs) And you do not at all fit the engineer, kind of the motif and what the engineers look like. I mean, how did you go from this straight A engineering student to have the swag (laughs) that you have as a business owner? Well, you know, I'm not the typical engineer. I get that a lot. I'm a good salesperson. I'm a closer. But, you know, straight A student, people look at that and engineering degree and you automatically get tagged as introverted and shy, which I'm probably a little bit of both, but we've set bigger goals that we can overcome. And my goals far outweigh any hesitation and shyness that I have. So we're able to be successful and talk and enjoy doing business with you know other people. I've known you, Derek, for a while, and we've become pretty good friends. We've actually gone camping together, done some things. So I've appreciated getting to know you. But what I think is really interesting about you, and I want to kind of talk about today, is how you went from you know, you were a straight-A student in college, engineering track at one of the great engineering schools here in Tennessee. And we're really in the Southeast. It's a great engineering school, Tennessee Tech. And you now own several businesses, are creating tremendous amounts of revenue, working all over the country, traveling a lot. So how did you go from, like, that engineer track to become super successful, like, business owner? What Tell us how that happened. So You know, so when I uh, graduated college, it was during the Great Recession in 2009. And I had a job at a company as an engineer, and you know, we didn't have any work. So while other guys at work were playing cards all day and sitting around not doing anything, I got in one of the company vehicles and went out driving across the country and finding railroads to work for because everybody has needs and show up at their doorstep and, hey, we can help you. And so, you know, really it was, it was because I had to. You know, I wanted to eat. I didn't want to be unemployed. And we didn't have any money. Well, man, that's that's how I really got my start and figured out I was really good at sales and, you know, managing clients' expectations and making them feel comfortable with the work we're doing and pick up more and more work and, and grow companies. So when did you move from – obviously, it sounds like you were an employee at that point, mm-hmm. just being a very ambitious employee who didn't have to wait to be told to go do something. You went out and did it on your own. But how did you move from employee to business owner? So in 2013, I saw had an opportunity to go out on my own, and that's you know went out on my own because I was confident in my ability to sell, and confident in my ability to build relationships and complete work, and have an opportunity to you know continue doing the same work that I'd been doing for the past decade at that point. So when you made that decision. I mean, was that, hey, I've got a ton of money in the bank. I'm just going to go start this. If it fails, ah, it's okay. Or like, tell us how you were able to get that off the ground because that sounds like a big deal. 
Yeah, and there's a lot of barriers to entry in the industries that I'm in. Insurance costs are enormous. Working on the railroads is very risky. You know, one of our insurers is Lloyd's of London, so you get those guys involved and instantly start paying a whole lot of money. When I started, my oldest daughter, Ashlyn, was, I guess she was probably two at the time. My wife wasn't working, and then I became unemployed to start, you know, and live this dream that we had been talking about for quite some time. When I left, I had 96000 in my 401k, and I had a I borrowed $100,000 for my mom. So, you know, Whoa. that was the only money that we had. We had no other money in savings, and, you know, we had no assets. We had a house that was leveraged out completely because, you know, we're a new couple and and uh, built a house, and that was kind of the lifestyle then. So we put it all on the line, every bit of it. Wow. Well, let me tell you. So as we talk about people becoming successful, I want to make sure that the listeners understand that like that was seven years ago. Here we are today. That risk that you took now has turned into a company that's bringing in over four or companies that are bringing over $40 million in revenue. That is astounding. And that it sounds like success. So how would you, I mean, would you consider yourself successful? I mean, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, you know, every, every day we get up and I've got my family by my side and, you know, we've, we've got opportunities to grow companies and uh, take care of all of our employees because we're, we're nearing 150 employees right now. Wow. And, you know, if you're the way I look at it, we've got the average family has four mouths. We're feeding 600 people a day and, you know, 300 retirements and 300 college funds. And, you know, we, we really get a lot of joy out of getting up and is, yeah, I consider myself very fortunate and very successful. So what would you part, you know, this is the root of all success. So we talk about success in general terms and define it. And we talk about how you got to become successful, like how, what your journey was to, to get there. So let's start with what you would define success in your own words. And I know a lot of people have different definitions and you could look up dictionary definitions. They're all different. But what does Derek Godwin believe in his own words, the word success? What does that mean? You know, and you're right, Jason, success for everybody is different. And so, you know, success for me is setting a goal with my wife and working together towards that goal. It doesn't mean you've reached that goal yet, but it's not a dollar amount. It's a very broad window of what success actually is. Yeah, and it's not just about money, is it? That's correct. Have you known a lot of miserable millionaires? Yep. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, money makes you more of what you already are. So if you're a and if you're miserable and or rude and you get a lot of money, you're just more miserable, more rude to people. And, you know, it just magnifies what you already are. You talked about you and your wife, that success is about setting a goal and reaching that goal. And what's interesting is that if you look at the word success from a dictionary's definition, only a few of the definitions, dictionaries list wealth or finances as a part of the definition. But almost every single one talks about that success is when you attain a goal. It's the result that you actually wanted. Mm -hmm. And so when you started, when you launched out on your own in 2013, right? It was 2013. When you launched on your own, what did you, I mean, hindsight's always 2020, but like if you go back and say in 2013, when I said, I'm going to do this on my own, what was the primary goal at that point? That's funny that you asked that because we think about those days a lot. Um, There's, you know, my primary goal was to put food on the table for my family. I mean, it was very simple. It wasn't a, I didn't see the opportunity at the time to grow a business and have lots of employees and, you know, be where we are today. That wasn't part of the vision then. So as we grow and set goals, 
you know, we're continually updating what the end looks like, our end game. That's why we're looking at a half billion dollars of revenue now. That's unfathomable when you're at zero dollars of revenue and you're the only employee. It's half a billion dollars. So recently, the lottery, <laughs> the lotteries were up to, I mean, honestly, I don't keep up with it enough to know if anybody won, but at previous to the recording of this episode, the lotteries were up to like, uh, right at a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people understand how much money that is. So for a guy like you, who obviously straight A, very smart. And I honestly, and I could say this, you're, you're one of the most intelligent people I know because you know stuff that most people don't know and you figure stuff out. Your brain works different than a lot of people. But from a guy like you who was super smart, but worked for another company, started something from scratch, essentially with borrowed money and a 401k mom and all that kind of stuff. To go from that seven-ish years ago to the potential within the next three to five years of being half a billion, that is absolutely astounding. Was there ever a moment in your journey where you said, like, this is stupid. We can't do this. Like, I'm going to go back to work for another company. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, there's there's lots of days that you regret starting the business and you're told how lucky you are. It's it's not luck. It's just the, you know, 5,000 hours a year. 20 years of, of working that has made us an overnight success. There's nothing more to it than doing the right thing and take care of relationships. And those nights were, you know, were days where I still to this day, I work 72 hours straight and sometimes I ask myself why, you know, and what we end up doing is looking at our goals and where we want to be and how we're going to get there. And that's the path that we've selected and agreed on and, you know, that makes it all worthwhile at that point. Yeah. Cause that's what success as We talked about success is reaching the goal that you want. If you have a goal to get to a certain position, whether it's financially or geographically, and you reach that by definition, you're successful. But what I love sitting across this table with microphones with other successful entrepreneurs is I learned that, okay, my original goal was I want to hit a million dollars in revenue. And then my next goal is I want to hit 10 or next. And you're at half a billion, right? Yeah. But Honestly, you hit half a billion in the next five years. What's the next goal? I mean, it's going to change, right? So your next goal is three quarters of a billion. The next goal maybe is a billion. And that is the hunger and the passion of an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And that's really, and I'm going to do this right now. So passion is the first P of success as far as I'm concerned. Like When I teach these five indisputable keys of success, there's passion. There's place, there's people, there's preparation and plan. So this passion idea, and I want to get your perspective on this for the listeners, is that there's two sides of passion. Number one, there's this excitement, just sheer joy and loving it. And you you work a lot. And we'll talk about the railroad consultants a little bit more deeply, but you work a lot in the railroad business. Now, there may be passion and excitement about railroads in general and engineering in general, but there also is this other level of this other side of passion that means willing to endure, willing to suffer. And if you think about the passion of the Christ, and I mentioned this almost every episode, it wasn't that Jesus was excited to go to the cross. It was that he was willing to suffer, willing to endure for the outcome. So you just mentioned that you worked, you sometimes work 72 hours straight. And I happen to know that because when I text you, you don't get back to me for a week. <laughs> it's because you're working. <laughs> yeah. But also know the stories that you've told me about how much time you put in. And you just mentioned 5,000 hours a year. And for the people that don't know how to do, how to do math uh, real quick, 2,000 hours a year is what a normal employee works at 40 hours a week, 50, 50 weeks a year, right? So 5,000 is more than double that. So it sounds to me like passion is one of the keys to your success. And your passion translated into just working a lot of hours and putting in all the time. So tell me and the listeners what you think about how passion 
plays a part of your success. Yeah, so we're very passionate about what we're doing, obviously, and you can tell that because my I get excited talking about our businesses and where we can go and the opportunities that we have. I'm here the passion in somebody's voice. We're talking on the phone to someone. You can't see them, but their inflection will go up. Their tone will go up. They'll talk a little higher pitch when they're excited. And that's just a natural body language that that you can hear and sense. So, you know, we've, we've got some great goals. Our goals aren't selfish or greedy. And we want to keep doing what we're doing the best. We want to be the recognizable brand back for this year when we've removed the words under our logo and we just have RC now because we want to be that recognizable brand nationwide. So we're rebranding right now and we're working coast to coast. I mean, if you don't have the passion and the drive and the fire, you know, we, we would have shut this thing down a long time ago. And it's not that we aren't content. Well, I'm content every day of my life. You know, if we never hit the half a billion dollars, I'll be happy every day that we're here doing what we're doing and doing it with excellence. Yeah. And so, you know, it's not a, to this day, people don't understand the, that goal. Uh, now it's, you know, did 40 million last year in revenue. And we're looking at, you know, this year, probably 75 to 80 million with what we kind of got on the books right now. So it's, it's a very attainable goal. So let's talk about railroad consultants, RC, as you said, you're rebranding. So let's talk about that business in general. What is it that you, what services and products do you provide to your customers? Anything railroad. So is what we tell them, but we're a professional service firm and we also do construction. We provide civil and structural engineering, mechanical electrical engineering, we provide permitting, surveying, and we're licensed. You know, we've got staff that's licensed all 50 states on engineering, licensed in most states on construction. And uh, that, that's really going to be the big growth is construction side. That'll be the probably the largest growth that we'll have in all the companies. Just, you know, we're working for a lot of the class one railroads right now and getting in the door with the other class ones. And it's all about relationship. Mm-hmm. You know, and also doing what you said you're going to do. But, you know, that, that's how you build a relationship is, you know, when we first got going, we risked it all a lot of times. And, and every day that we're out there, we're still basically risking it all, not in a risky sort of fashion. We put it all in line and we, we take the big jobs and we're always successful doing it. But it takes a lot of pressure to do that and a lot of coordination and good, good personnel. I mean, we wouldn't be where we are today without the staff and relationships that we have. Yeah. So passion and risk seem like they go together in your stories that you are willing to risk, which is a suffer point, right? If you risk, there's this opportunity of loss, Mm -hmm. but you calculate that against what the opportunity of gain is. If in fact it succeeds and you can't like people that say, I think a lot of entrepreneurs understand the concept that with great risk comes great reward. That's not always the case, but your great rewards certainly don't come without great risk. So with you, you risk a lot. And you've been rewarded a lot with that. And that really has to play into your passion. Like there's something greater than just going out and and playing with railroads and and building bridges and tunnels and doing civil engineering and mechanical engineering. So on the passion side, I think I understand that, especially because I know you personally, I can see and understand the passion that you have for that. Let's talk about the second P and the success and how it may or may not have played into your story. And that's place. And I talk about this in terms of being at the right place at the right time. So you were born in Texas, moved to Tennessee at some point early in your childhood, ended up going to 
Tennessee Technology. What's the official name of Tennessee Tech? Tennessee Technological University. There you go, TTU. So you went to Tennessee Tech. That it was that the right place at the right time to get you where you are? Was there some other place you can point to and go, you know what? When I was at this place, that actually propelled me into where I am now. There you go, Jason. There it is. You know, I grew up in a entrepreneurial family. You know, my, my new little parents went to college and my dad ended up taking over a steel business that was essentially bankrupt and turned it around. And, you know, in college and it's my sophomore year and, you know, my dad passed away. So the plan was always to work for dad. You know, I mean, we're going to grow the family business and we're going to, you know, now that was the plan. All the kids were working there and we we're going to grow that sucker and make it. It was a steel fabrication shop, make it a nationwide brand and, and uh, do a lot of work. But, you know, I ended up, I was on scholarships, I was able to put my scholarships on hold and for in co-op. And so, you know, there's a lot of things that aligned to put us where I am today. But in the end, it's just God's plan for what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the amazing thing is there's been opportunities that I passed up and then regretted. But at the end of the day, it was part of the plan and because it would have prevented me from doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. We had a lot of opportunity, a lot of different things due to my relationships. And I passed some of them up and thought, man, we just, you know, I should have taken that opportunity and go work for this guy or started this company. And at the end of the day, we're living our purpose. We didn't start those companies and they were the good ideas or didn't go down that path or work for this other company, you know, at that time. And yeah, I, I would say it wasn't remorseful, but you do have those thoughts like, man, maybe I should have done that. And, you know, <laughs> looking at that seven, eight years later, well, we made the right decision. You know, this, this was the guidance and the path that we were really supposed to be on. Yeah. Our ability to adapt will always outperform our ability to plan one. I mean, as entrepreneurs, we get smacked in the face a lot. I mean, things happen. And one of the ways I kind of tell people about this when I talk about it is that, and you'll probably, I think you and I may have talked about this before that in the life of an entrepreneur, there's this invisible horizontal line below which when you go, you're done. Like you're out of business, probably bankrupt and mm-hmm. maybe people get hurt. Who knows? But the entrepreneur, the business owner, the founder is the only one who knows how close you are to that line at any moment because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it goes up and down, up and down, up and down like a heartbeat. And of course you want it to go up further than it goes down at every given time. But for you, you know, just like every other entrepreneur, you can point to places where, you know, we were really close to the line and I had the opportunity to do X mm-hmm. and I chose not to. And at the time I regretted it. But now I look back and I'm like, thank God I did not do that because I had I done that, it'd taken me a different, a whole different path. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about people in your life. So um, inevitably, when I talk to successful entrepreneurs like you, they can usually point at a person or two where they say, you know, that person, guy, woman, whoever it was, really was the person that helped get me to that next level. Do you have a person or persons like that in your life that you can think about? Yeah, there's lots of people. Uh, you know, there's people that gave me the chance on the railroad to start a company. Barrier to entry, I was, you know, 28, right at 29 years old when I started the company. And people don't have multi million dollar contracts with the railroad at 29 years old and no money. And, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> I mean, I borrowed the money just to pay for the insurance so I could get going. And it was just me. So we've got some guys with the railroad that said, hey, We'll give an opportunity, but you got to sell yourself to upper management as far as your capabilities and working. But we will say, hey, we at least consider this guy will set the meeting. And so uh, that was the first opportunity. I mean, without that, we wouldn't be here. 
You know, it was, it was just a dream at that point, even in my imagination. You know, there's guys like that. And then my CFO, who's also my stepdad, he's like my real dad, but he's helped companies grow from nothing to hundreds of millions of dollars. And I mean, he, he thinks we're going to do a billion dollars in revenue. And he knows how to get deals done. He's entire life a CPA by trade, but for 41 years, all I did was acquisitions and mergers. And so we're, you know, we've grown this company one at a time up until this point. So that's hard. It's painful to grow one at a time. And I mean, we're starting to look at the M&A side and biggest problem we're going to have there is find the right company. There's a lot of opportunity right now, but we want to have the company that we can actually go in and, you know, rebrand and put our you know, our beliefs and views in, make sure that they can adapt. And, you know, they need to be pretty closely aligned with what we already believe anyway, or, you know, it's just not going to work. So, yeah. you know, well, I feel like we've grown extremely slow. Um, <laughs> Seven years is not fast enough for Derek <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I do see how fast we've grown. It, of course, makes banks nervous because you're growing so fast. And there's opportunity everywhere. I don't, you know, it doesn't matter. There's not a person out there's going to control my destiny other than myself. I, you know, I'm not going to wait the world on the world to, you know, tell me what to do or act on me. I'm going to go act on the world. And, you know, we drive down the road and I just see dollar bills everywhere, hundred dollar bills hanging from trees and hanging in this guy's yard. He needs landscaping and this guy needs something painted. There's just opportunity everywhere. Yeah, it isn't that really what separates business owners from entrepreneurs. I mean, a business owner could take a business and run it, like and as long as the systems are put in place and you know, he or she can run that business. That's a business owner. And there's certainly, there's certainly accolades that are due to people that run successful businesses, but the entrepreneur is doing what you just discussed. It's about looking for opportunities. It's taking risks that a business owner wouldn't necessarily want to take. They just want to work in a, in a known system where an entrepreneur, the difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner is they want to risk things and they're willing to innovate things and look for opportunities. And it sounds to me like that's exactly what you did in your career. So, you know, you talked about the risks that you made in terms of time and there were some money risks. Were there any other risks that you've taken that you would want to share? Like this happened or, or I did this. This was, it sounded stupid at the time, but it turned into $10 million opportunity. Yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously the risk of starting first company, you know, I had a, you know, everyone tell me, no, don't do it. Don't do it. But they didn't understand. And they still don't understand. Like, well, you know, you were right. You're lucky to this day. I'm still lucky. Just a lucky guy. The harder you work, the luckier you get. That's my response to them. And, you know, as far as risks now, we, you know, we have one client that we wanted to do some work for and they required, you know, 30 people on standby to do this work. And so I said, all right, we got it done. And I had seven days to hire, train, do background checks and drug tests on 15 people. And then I had two weeks to get the other 15 on board. Oh. And that's probably, that was at the point, that was about three or four years in the company. And, you know, there's a new service we want to add and we want to be competitive in the marketplace and it was a good opportunity. So we went out and hired 30 people without having any work. You know, then I sold all the work, right? God, you know, had everybody working within about a, you know, two month period. But that was, you know, Banks don't like that. You know, they don't understand that I'm confident in my ability to sell. And, I, you know, to this day, I'm still doing everything I tell them that I'm going to do and have met all the obligations and and timelines and commitments that we've always told them. In fact, we beat them. Our projections, every year, our projections, we blow them out of the water. I, mean, I give them what they don't think is a conservative projection. I give them what I think is very conservative 
And then we end up doubling that a lot of years. And it's always fun, though. You know, it's, it's aimed for the moon and, you know, miss we're among the stars. And every year we far exceed our projections from the year before. I think it's interesting too now, and only an entrepreneur with the experience that you have and, and the experiences that I've had would know that having a banker on your team that understands the entrepreneurial mindset is extremely important because I've gone through bankers who simply were not entrepreneurial and they're like, look, if it doesn't make sense on paper, I don't even want to talk about it. And then I've got, I currently, thank goodness, I have a banker now who understands he actually was a was an entrepreneur had a business before he went into banking. And so he understands what risks there are. So when I go into him and tell him something crazy, he's like, yeah, we can do that. <laughs> yeah. So having that banker is really, really important. Yeah. Finance can make or break you. Yep. We're growing so fast. Obviously need a lot of capital on which we've got capital retention plans in place. And of course we've got lots of people want to throw money at us and invest that we know out there. And we, you know, we don't want, we're going to give anything up. We've got big places we're going and, and uh, we got a great banking team. Then, of course, our CFO used to be on a board loan committee. He was the head of that for some large uh, regional banks here. And he knows how the negotiations work. And so we've got, you know, every time he walks in the door, they feel they already look defeated when we go talk to them. <laughs> they're going to give us whatever we need. And it's going to be the best daggum price you can get. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, so we, so we talked about passion. We talked about place. We talked about people. So the last two P's I talk about, the first of the last two is preparation. And what I mean by that, when I talk about preparation is I talk about, you've got to be prepared to be successful in the thing that you're doing. So for you, you are in primarily in the engineering space and railroads, generally speaking, but you, your preparation, it sounds to me like was, okay, my dad was, had this steel company, which there's some engineering involved in that. You went to school to get a degree in engineering. Was that your preparation to help you be successful? Or was there other things that you would point to? Was it a coach? Is it a mentor? Was it a certification class? How did you get prepared to be a $40 million company seven years in? Yeah. So I, I guess at the end of the day, you spent my whole life preparing for this. You know, we, dad was always entrepreneurial. We really didn't have anything growing up, but hard work, integrity. And we worked on construction projects every weekend with my dad. We were building decks for somebody. We were building handicap ramps for people. We were cleaning gutters. We were, you know, doing, you know, work for the community, what, whatever it may be. But it was every single weekend we were doing something. Some weekends it was at the house, you know, cutting firewood and bringing it home and splitting the firewood and stacking the firewood. <laughs> and so, you know, we just grew up working. You know, that was part of life. And that's something that's really missing from where we are today and on this next generation coming up, this work ethic. Well, talk, talk to me about, because I know your work ethic. I know you well enough to know that it's a second to none, but talk about your college experience because, you know, a lot of times I mentioned on the, on the podcast, when I'm talking to entrepreneurs, about 50% of them went to college, 50% didn't. It doesn't seem to be a, a strong indicator of success, generally speaking, but then there are specific things like what you're doing with engineering that it requires. Like, so if you wanted to be a teacher, a doctor, a lawyer, engineer, et cetera, you almost have to have that degree, at least in my eyes, to, in order to, to do it. So how, what part did your college degree play and prepare you for success? You know, <clears throat> there's probably a controversial topic, I guess, um, as you know, the, you know, I went to school to be an engineer. I, I'll tell you, I guess naivety or whatever you want to say. I just, I was the youngest of three. My brother's two years older and a three or two and a half years older. So it's three years ahead in school based on our birthdays. And he's going to school engineering. It's like, 
Well, all right, I guess I'm gonna go be an engineer because I'll do it better than him. <laughs> and that, that was competition. That was literally how much thought I put into what profession I was going into. <laughs> wow. But I mean, you know, we're gonna work for dad and run the company, you know, run the family business or do something anyway. Of course, again, they didn't have any college education. They were extremely successful, uh, you know, for a lot of reasons. But you know, without college, I wouldn't be able to be an engineer. You know. And so I wouldn't be able to start an engineering company. I could start a construction company, but, you know, engineers, you know, fairly simple to get into from a cost perspective compared to all the equipment that we have now and all of the contracts nationwide and leases and everything we have to keep up with. I mean, it's very capital intensive construction side is. So, you know, as far as college prepared me, we had some really good professors that are no longer with us, but they were the old school professors. And, you know, you couldn't miss a day of class or you automatically got a B. If you missed two days, you got a C. If you missed more than two, yeah, that was assuming you had 100%. He would scale you back oh, yeah. that far. And if you missed more than two days, you failed, had to retake it. You were, and you couldn't be late. But at the end of the day, they taught us how to derive formulas and think and not just give you an answer. So they, they really gave us a fishing pole and taught us how to fish versus just feeding us like some of the other professors do. And something that's more and more prevalent in this days. Here's the, here's the formula, but we learned the reason behind the formula. We learned how to develop that and derive that. And I still to this day can do that, you know? And so really, you know, college was, I was kind of a loner in college, went to class and did all the work on my own and, you know, that's probably the biggest thing is that we I got from college is the derivations and learning how to think a different way and not just being provided answer. And I was already a critical thinker, but, <laughs> you know, problem solver, that sort of thing. That's always been my cup of tea. But why I was so good in college, because I was prepared for that, just, you know, help magnify what I was already doing. So when we talk about preparation, that also leads to the last of the five P's that I talk about, and that's plan. And so I firmly believe that successful entrepreneurs use these five P's and the fifth one being plan. I believe that there was a plan and the plan isn't business plan. Like a lot of people think, oh, well, so I got to have a business plan to be successful. No, not necessarily because I grew up a multi-million dollar company without a business plan. I don't know whether or not you had a written business plan, but what I find is that most entrepreneurs didn't. They didn't have a written business plan. So what I mean by the word plan is the strategy and the strategy to obtain and deploy the resources required to be successful. So you mentioned in your story that in order to go out on your own, the insurance costs were, well, first of all, you had to have it, but they were astronomical, right? So your plan, it sounds to me, your plan was, I will figure out how to get the resources required, which includes insurance, no matter what it takes. And you went and borrowed the money, as you just said, to, to pay for the insurance premiums. So... Tell us about how the plan and not, not written business plan, although if you had one, I'd be happy to hear about that. Uh, and as a matter of fact, I teach in my university how to write a business plan, but I also make sure that students understand this is not a prerequisite for success, but rather you need a plan to get the resources. So talk us about how your plan worked to get the resources you needed. Yeah. So I don't have a written business plan uh, <laughs> right, right now. I never really have. We're, we're growing and changing so fast. It changes every day growing exponentially, not linearly. We don't have those plateaus and, and dips. We, you know, keep everybody busy. We've never to this day laid anybody off for lack of work and intend to keep that tradition alive because we see opportunity out there. As far as resources and plan, 
it's all about relationships and abilities and confidence. You know, again, for example, when we hired the 30 people in two weeks and had commitments to have on site and trained and background checked and all those commitments we did. And I didn't have a plan. They called me. I was like, yeah, we can do it. <laughs> and I got, you know, at that point we had 16 people in the company. So we doubled. doubled. We grew tripled. 200%. Yeah, so tripled in size in that amount here, which about bankrupted us because, we, you know, we have all these people we got to pay. And they do the work, and all our clients pay us. But you do the work for 30 days, you invoice, you get paid 30 days later. So you got care, this carrying cost for 60 days. Well, I wasn't prepared for that. But you know what? We figured it out. And, you know, we're, I don't sit there and negotiate with clients. And, you know, I'm the closer. Negotiate clients, just tell me where we need to be, and then we'll figure out how to make it happen. We don't need to go back and forth 15 times. It's like a used car salesman or car salesman in general, any kind of salesman. Just tell me what you want. Tell me that expectation. Tell me that number that you're looking for. If I can make it happen, I dig them will. And we just did one today. I was That's why I was a few minutes late getting here. I was working, and this is something I do about every day anyway, but I was working on another proposal, and they finally gave me the number last night when they'd be at, and I didn't even revise it and say, well, do it for this amount, and I'll figure out the rest of it, and we'll figure out how to save money, figure out how to do it better and more efficient, and we'll make money on the project, but we've also picked up a good client today. Yeah. You know, well, you know, that, every day. that concept, I refer to what you just described as fake it till you make it. And I know there's a lot of gurus that talk about fake it till you make it. It is not, there's no integrity in that. And that's an eighties thing. Right. But, but here's what I think. About. I think that you faked it till you made it, but you never lied to anybody. Like they said, Hey, you need 30 people. And you're like, okay, we got it. We can do it. And because you knew and you're betting on yourself, I can make, I have a plan to get those resources that have human capital resources, mm-hmm. not financial resources. I have a plan to do it so I can fake that. I have it ready because I know that I will get it ready. And it's not, you didn't lie to anybody. You're not being less than integrous. And to this day, that has paid off in dividends for you, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the biggest segments of our business right now is that that division that we open. And for example, you know, the fake to make it does have a lot of negative connotations, but you know, I've never lied to anybody. They didn't say I had to have 30 that day. They said, you have to have 30 people to do this work and you have to have them by this day. And I said, okay. You know, and, and we yep. got real busy. <laughs> <laughs> I go make it happen. I said, I mean, we, we got our last guy. I mean, I remember we got our last guy, guy trained at like 1 a.m. on Monday morning when he was supposed to be on site at 6 a.m., you know, five hours before the deadline. And we made it happen. Wow. But, you know, a lot of people have great ideas. They never react, never do anything with them. I mean, if they're too scared, they freeze up. I'm not one of those. Well, yeah, let's commit, then I'll figure it out. Our, mantra one of our things we don't do is we don't say no say yes i mean as long as it's in, got integrity and no issues along those lines but we're yes men yeah we make it happen anything we make anything happen we prove that time and time and time again have yet to uh, stumble or fail on that now we've had some close 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 ones we're like oh man i'm glad we pulled that off but you do that one time you pick up client for life and it, Railroad, they've been around for, you know, since the 1830s building railroads here in the U.S. And so they're setting their way, ways and uh, they've got their contracts they've used for three generations. It's, it's a tough market to break into. It's all about relationships and getting that chance. I know that I see, because you and I know one another personally, I see how much time and energy you put into traveling and being with your clients. And, and you just sent me some pictures of you went on a duck hunt with some of them and stuff. I mean... I don't think I know any other entrepreneurs who spend as much time 
as you do with your clients. And it may be just because of the nature of the industry, railroad, that's just what happens. But I don't know a lot of people that do that. What made you, is that a nature of the industry or is that just part of your nature? You know, probably more my nature. You know, relationships, again, are key. We believe that's safety and relationships and we want to make money and we want to have, you know, these goals met. But, you know, we aren't whining and dining. And we're really friends with these guys. You know, where's, I mean, they, hell, they pay their own way. I mean, it's not, you know, it's just one of those deals. It's crazy, <laughs> but it's just, it's just about getting together and talking. We try not to talk a lot of business when we're together. If we're hunting or we run to the lake, you know, we've got a client that I always go to the lake with every year. He brings his boat and I bring my boat and we have our families and we hang out together and that's it. And we do that once a year. On Memorial Day, and it's just just one of those things. It's already on my calendar, just like camping every year with you. Uh huh. In October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you've got several businesses. We spent a lot of time talking about railroad consultants or RC. Is it actually just going to be RC? You're dropping the whole words, or well, still we're, working on it. Yeah, still working on that. But we've got you know RC is good because we got you know like railroad consultants. We got railroad construction, you know railroad conglomeration, whatever conglomerate, whatever we may end up coming up with in the future. But you know RC will be the the logo and the brand going forward. Not sure that's going to be the name. You know, if you look at Nike, they've got the swoosh, but everybody knows that it means Nike, right? And so you know, at the end of the day, we want people to see RC and think railroad guys. They they can do it all. Anything huh. railroad. So the other businesses that you have that are contributing to your success, do you have any that you want to kind of specifically mention that you're doing? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, we, we've got, um, probably not by name, but we do have a steel fab shop and do a lot of retail spaces, malls, and do a lot of work for a lot of big clients. Some of the probably out of the top 10 largest companies in the world, we're probably doing work for three of them out wow. of the top 10, and they're probably close to the top five, if not, you know, in there. Right. And so again, that's about the relationship and being able to meet impossible guidelines of, you know, the, the railroad, if you don't keep trains running, you don't generate revenue. Well, we don't get paid. We So we're very creative and innovative and understand what it takes to build a job and design a job uh, successfully, efficiently. We say we value engineer a lot of projects and save the clients millions of dollars. I mean, they love it. They love it. And we get <laughs> continual work because these other companies don't understand how to value engineer and, and uh, don't understand how to, they aren't construction guys too. You know, I grew up in the construction world and grew up welding and I understand access holes and how to get things done. And now I, I go out there with the construction guys every once in a while and I work with them. I did that. In fact, I did that right after Christmas on an emergency project. We went out there and worked with the guys, and I like to do that every, you know, once a quarter, once every six months when I, when I get out and show them that we do know what we're doing and, and it, you know, builds camaraderie and builds a good sense of culture, which is very important. I think a lot of entrepreneurs who are listening to this could probably would agree with my sentiment when I say that. You know, when you find the thing that you really are passionate about, that you really enjoy and that you're really excited about, you kind of go all in. You're like, I'm in on this, whatever it is. And for me, I'm in on the things that I'm doing and I love it. It's been a long time as an entrepreneur since I've looked at other opportunities outside of my own businesses and thought, I want to throw in with that guy or I want to throw in with this girl because I, I thought that their opportunity might be better than mine. You know what I'm talking about? Like early in our, like in your story, probably there were these times where you're like, this other guy's got this ice cream shop. I think I can make, it. you know, I want to, whatever that is. 
Well, today, as where I sit in my chair today, I don't have that happen anymore. I'm not looking for other people's opportunities to, oh, I want to get in on that. I think I could make a lot of money in that or I could do that or could be successful. But I will say this. Out of all the entrepreneurs that I know, you're the only guy that every once in a while that comes to me like, I need to partner up with him. Like something cool is happening. So I think I'm really excited that I know you. I'm excited that you're a part of this podcast. I'm excited. I'm happy that we're friends. I'm honored that you're a guest on this podcast because I believe that there's a lot of things that people who are entrepreneurs who want to be successful can learn from somebody like you. Now, you, you put in ungodly amounts of time and hours that I don't think a lot of people would be willing to do. But I think the outcome speaks for itself. I mean, you've got a, your, your wife is fantastic. Your girls are awesome. I love, you know, your house is fantastic. We go hang out together and do different things. And so I appreciate you, Derek. I appreciate your friendship. I thank you for being on the show today. Is there anything else that you would want to tell the listeners about success or about your business or how to get in touch with you or anything else you want to share with us? Yeah, I guess at the end of the day is to act. You know, a lot of people freeze up and don't have confidence in their abilities. You know, when, same thing for me. When I started, it was really just to employ myself. <laughs> yep. You know, I didn't need to. That's a mortgage to pay. That, that's right. That's right. We're about starved to death. I mean, it was, it was close, you know, before the money started turning green, turned at the last minute, you know, on the last day and finally things were up from there, you know, but my tell you, entrepreneurship's only can go from hero to zero back to hero in about a 30 minute period. And you got to hang on for the ride. You got to have that tolerance and, and manage your risk good, but got to have a good wife of the house, good, good family support or husband, a good spouse. You know, the most important thing is that, you know, just probably 99.9% of people never act. They've got a good idea. They could change the world. If, if everybody that had a great idea would go after that. Or if half the people would think, think about how different this world would be today. It's incredible. So my biggest advice is just, hey, you got an idea. Don't be afraid to go after it. If it doesn't work, you're in the same position you are today. Nothing's changed. If it does work, then you might have just changed the world. Well, there you have it, folks. You hear from a very successful entrepreneur, Derek Godwin, who has built a fantastic company with Railroad Consultants and all the other businesses that he has. And you see that my theory about these five indisputable keys to success, passion, place, people, preparation and plan played out in his story, maybe in different ways than in other people's stories, but it could play out in your story as well. And now, if you want to see how your odds of success or probability of success works out, I've got a, something special I want to offer you. If you go to therealjasonduncan.com slash success, so that's therealjasonduncan.com slash success, you can take a free five P's of success assessment. And that assessment will give you a personalized report showing you where you rank on those five things and whether or not you should proceed in that idea or that venture or whether you should pick a new one. And what's interesting about that assessment is that a lot of times when people take that assessment, they come up with, I don't have the passion for this like I thought I did, or I don't have the preparation that's going to be required to get there. And so you can either abandon it or you can just work on those particular P's and kind of get those up. So go to therealjasonduncan.com slash success, download that and take that assessment. It's completely free. And of course, if you're interested in getting a world-class education in entrepreneurialism or business leadership, you can go to resultuniversity.org slash root for a special discount on tuition. So Derek, thank you again for being here. This has been great getting to know a little bit more of your story and enjoying a good cigar. A friend of mine gave this one to me. It is Bolivar and 
It's really good. I hope yours was good too. So, it was. Thank you. <laughs> so before we sign off, I want to say this. If you are watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, hit the bell icon so that you can get notified when new content is put up on my YouTube channel. And you can see all of these podcasts with the root of all success on my YouTube channel, which is at youtube.com slash C slash the real Jason Duncan. Or of course, if you're listening on Spotify, iTunes, Google podcasts, you know, wherever, wherever you listen, Stitcher, please subscribe. And also if you don't mind, if you like this and it's a good interview and you like these podcasts, please hit a uh, review button and leave us a really great review. I would really appreciate that. And so next time we'll have another guest on here talking specifically about how he or she got to the success that they've experienced and how you can do the same thing. So until next time, I'm the real Jason Duncan and Jesus is King. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business. Grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.